Hello again, this is World Pastor Tony Alamo. This is program number 717-717. If you'd like to have a copy of it, Sharon will tell you how at the end of the program. Please let us know whether you want a CD or an audio tape. They're both free, including postage and handling. Uh, I have strong message from the Lord tonight. We're continuing on in the second epistle of Peter. And then we also have songs and letters. Right now, let's uh, pray that the Lord will give us complete spiritual liberty, Holy Spirit liberty, to bring forth the truth, Father, to the people uh, in the New Jerusalem that will be there at the marriage supper of the Lamb, and the people of the world who are walking in darkness, that they will be able to see the light shine through the darkness into their hearts, and that they will be able to receive you as their Lord and Savior, their Redeemer, to redeem them from this wicked world and the bowels of hell and the lake of fire, to be in the kingdom of heaven, in paradise, the heavens of heavens, with you for eternity. Lord, uh, this will definitely bind Satan. And I ask you to bind him in heaven, as you said you would when we bind him on earth, that souls may be saved and the body of Christ, the new Jerusalem, will be strengthened. I ask it in Jesus' name, and everyone says amen. Amen. All right, here I am to sing for you, Joshua at the Battle of Jericho, and you know what? He won. Joshua fit the battle around Jericho, around Jericho, around Jericho. Well, Joshua fit the battle around Jericho, and the walls come tumbling down, God knows that. Joshua fit the battle around Jericho, around Jericho, around Jericho. Well, Joshua fit the battle around Jericho, and the walls come tumbling down. Good morning, Sister Mary. Good morning, Brother John. Well, I want to stop and talk with you and tell you how I've come along. I know you've heard about Joshua, he was the son of Nun. He never stopped his work until well and ever his work was done. God knows that Joshua beat the battle of Jericho, Jericho, Jericho. Joshua beat the battle of Jericho when the walls come tumbling down. You may talk about your men of Gideon, you may brag about the men of Saul, but there's none like Joshua in the battle of Jericho. Up to the walls of Jericho, he marched with spear in hand. Go blow the ramp, Joshua cried, don't the battle and be burned. God knows that Joshua beat the battle of Jericho, Jericho, Jericho. Well, Joshua beat the battle of Jericho when the walls come tumbling down. You may talk about your men of Gideon, you may brag about the king of Saul, but there's none like Joshua in the battle of Jericho. Well, they tell me that young the Joshua's spear was so well not twenty long. And upon his hip was a double-edged sword, and his mouth was a gospel horn. Yet bold and brave, he stood salvation in his hand. Go broke them, ran home, Joshua cried, cause the devil can't do you no harm. God knows that Joshua beat the battle around Jericho, around Jericho, Jericho, well, Joshua beat the battle around Jericho, where the walls come tumbling down. Up to the walls of Jericho, he marched with spear in hand. Roll, blow, and ran home, Joshua, cut, go to the bottle, can't do you no harm. 
Then the lamb ram sheep horns begin to blow. The trumpets begin to sound. Then Joshua shouted, Glory! And the walls came tumbling. Then God knows that just be better than Jericho. Jericho, Jericho, well, Joshua hit the middle of Jericho, and the walls came tumbling down. Praise the Lord. That was myself with J.D. Sumner in the Stamps Quartet. Uh, Donnie Sumner were there with us, uh, officiating over that recording session. And we're going to do another one where... Um, Donnie Sumner was there, J.D. Sumner and Stamps from the Rose called up yonder at the end of the program. Um, I've been uh, telling people about the severity of the Lord. The more that people hear about the severity of the Lord, he's good God. He's good because he tells you how to get into the kingdom of heaven without any problems. And then he tells you, though, that he's also a very severe God, a God that took away uh, one man's kingdom. He was the first king of Israel. Because he made one, he would not listen to the Lord on one point. We're not even allowed to allow people in the church if they dispute, argue with us about the scriptures. Because the scriptures were given by the Holy Spirit to holy men of God. And there's no private interpretation of those scriptures. They mean exactly what they say. And when a person doesn't do exactly what the Lord says, and people call that, well, that's legalistic. Yes, I would much rather be legal than illegal, because when we stand before the Lord and we're illegal, the Lord is not going to let us into the kingdom of heaven. Okay, but that's very hard to get into people's heads that live in a world of frivolity and a dream world, so to speak. They watch all kinds of fantasies in the motion picture industry, flying elephants, uh, and all kinds of talking animals. In the Bible, it talks of an animal that talked, but he couldn't talk. It was the Lord talking through his mouth. So if um, the Lord is talking through somebody's mouth, it isn't a silly things at all. It is, a, it's a, he was warning a prophet that uh, stopped being a prophet. It's like the Bible tells us, angels that were in the kingdom of heaven that are stronger than we, that they were cast down into hell, and that they're waiting in chains of darkness for that day of uh, judgment, where they will be sent uh, into the lake of fire with Satan and all those that follow him. So it's good for people not just to preach the blessings of the Lord, especially to crowds of people, millions of people, that don't really keep the commandments of the Lord. It's really good to warn people about the wrath to come and that why God pours wrath out on people. In case you haven't noticed, he's been pouring out wrath on the earth. There's cities that are totally devastated, covered with water, uh, fires and floods and sicknesses and diseases and infirmities that the scientists have not come up with any remedy for them whatsoever. Cancer, leukemia, it goes on and on. AIDS and all sexual uh, diseases. And yet people keep committing illicit sex because there just isn't one ounce, not even a 
fraction of an ounce of brain power in their heads. They see people catching AIDS and dying from them like flies, but still it never gets them. It just doesn't, they don't see it. They don't see the devastation, the tornadoes, the twisters, the tsunamis, the typhoons, uh, all the different things that the Lord is doing to this. He's pouring out his wrath on this earth because people will not repent. And he's warning people, trying to warn them, doing everything he is, he's warning them to flee from the wrath of God. How do you flee from the wrath of God? Is he's begun doing what the Lord says. And that will uh, cause the wrath of God to be lifted off of you. But isn't it strange that people don't listen to things like that, to the warnings? For instance, we're going to begin at uh, verse 9. Again, I did a little bit of this yesterday. The Lord knows how to deliver uh, the godly out of temptations and from his wrath also, and to reserve the unjust unto the day of judgment to be punished. This is New Testament, folks. talks about punishment. Well, we don't like a God that punishes us. So what? God doesn't care what you like or don't like. If you want to go to hell, go. He doesn't cry over you. So the point is, is that God will deliver those of us that really fear him and keep his commandments. Now, verse 10 says, but chiefly them that walk after the flesh in the lust of uncleanness and despise government. There's so many people, you know, you tell them something uh, that the Lord says, and they get offended, and they leave the house of God. Just like last night, I was talking on the phone. This man had, his wife had twins. One of them only weighed two and a half pounds. The other one weighed about five, five and a half pounds. And he was telling me about it and everything. And he says, well, I got a job. And in a boiler room, you know, these people that call you up on the phone all during the day and everything. And he says, but I have to pay my $100 for the job. And I says, oh, don't you know that that's a hustle? Those people are hustlers. They they figure that after you don't make any commissions after a day or two, they've got your 100 bucks. And in a city the size of Los Angeles, they're going to, there's hundreds of people out of work and they're going to come and seek a job like that. And they think they're going to make a lot of money. And uh, this is such an important job that you have to pay $100 for it. Oh, that's ridiculous. Okay, so I told him that, and he got offended at me telling him that. And he walked off with his wife in the in the hospital. I uh, sent him to the hospital with those two babies. And they're going to be in this uh, hospital for a month or two. And he just walked out on his wife in the middle of the night for that. Because he didn't like the idea of going to get an honest job. He wanted to have a job where he just sits on the phone and gabs because he likes to gab a lot. But the thing is, is that, um, and then pay him $100 to do that. No, uh, it's uh, like uh, jobs for deadbeats. But chiefly them that walk after the flesh in the lusts of uncleanness and despise instructions. In other words, government. God's instructions. He has a government that governs people that you're supposed to obey those that have the rule over you. 
And the Lord gave me the rule of this church, and so therefore he didn't listen to my advice. He could have went out and got the job, but still in all, I wasn't going to give him the $100 to buy the job. Presumptuous are they, self-willed. They are not afraid to speak evil of dignities. There's uh, many people that because of the strictness of the word that I preach, which is actually the word that the Lord tells me to preach, they've left and they speak evil of myself because I instructed them into righteousness, but they didn't want to receive righteousness. Whereas angels, which are greater in power and uh, might, bring not railing accusation against them uh, before the Lord. They won't bring railing accusations against myself to the Lord. And it's amazing how pompous and bold People are to despise uh, these rules. Angels don't even take that liberty to do something like that. But these, here's what they are, as natural brute beasts. They're like uh, oxen. They got like hoofs. Uh, you know, they, they look like they have feet, but actually they're, according to the scripture, there's natural brute beasts. Brutus, made to be taken and destroyed, speak evil of the things that they understand not. Just because they don't understand what I'm telling them, and because of the experience that I've had, they think I'm telling them something evil. They speak evil about the things, the good things that I'm teaching them, evil of the things that they have no understanding whatsoever. They understand not and shall utterly perish in their own corruption. Verse 13, and shall receive the reward of unrighteousness. Well, what is that? You're going to send them to hell in the lake of fire. As they that count it a pleasure, sport, fun, to riot in the daytime. You see people doing that today. Oh, man, you know, throw uh, big uh, pieces of objects or something through windows and go into the uh, the different stores and uh, take the television sets. Christmas in July. They love, they do it, and they like to be even televised doing it. Spots they are and blemishes sporting themselves with their own uh, deceivings while they feast with you, having eyes full of adultery. Now, this man probably says, well, my wife is put on a lot of weight since she's been pregnant here, and maybe some nurse invited him over to her house. Eyes full of adultery and that cannot cease from sin. Beguiling unstable souls. Oh, uh, nurse, I, I just want to tell you about Jesus. I love Jesus so much. Well, could you come over to my house and talk about him? Because after all, you're supposed to care about my soul, aren't you? Well, my wife, uh, I guess I could. If they bring him over there and uh, he didn't show back up. In heart they have, 
exercised with covetousness, covetous practices, cursed children. Well, we just tried to be friendly. Uh, how's that could be uh, cursed children? Well, I guess because the Lord said so, right? Wouldn't you think that's right? Yes. If the Lord says so. Verse 15, which have forsaken the right way to flee from the very appearance of evil and are gone astray following the way of Balaam, the son of Bosor, who loved the wages of unrighteousness. He was paid to pray against Israel. And um, he just kept getting paid. And the Lord would not uh, go against Israel, but he went against anyone that comes against Israel. I'll bless them that blessed you, and I'll curse them that cursed you. Verse 16. But was rebuked for his iniquity, the dumb donkey speaking with man's voice. See, it wasn't the dumb donkey, because the dumb means you can't speak. The dumb donkey speaking with, but it was with man's voice, God's voice coming, forbade the madness of the prophet. Well, it was a prophet, all right, but he wasn't a prophet of God anymore. He was a prophet for hire. Give me enough money and I'll pray against Israel. I'll pray against the house of God. I'll actually go out and, uh, uh, you know, tell people that uh, uh, these people of the Lord have sinned. I'll bear false witness against them. If you give me enough money, if you'll let me out of prison, I will bear false witness against Tony Alamo. I'll say that I worked in the office when I didn't really. And I'll tell him that he has two sets of books when he didn't really. And I'll say, okay, anything you want me to say, just get me out of prison and give me some money so I can go buy some more narcotics and drugs. Verse 17, these are wells without water, dry wells, clouds that are carried with a tempest, with a storm, to whom the mist of darkness is reserved forever. Verse 18, for when they speak great swelling um, words of vanity, they allure through the lusts of the flesh. Now, it's Saturday night here in this hotel, and I'm sure you can probably hear some of the laughing and carrying on of uh, the sinners out there. Through, so, the lusts of the flesh through much wantonness. Those that were clean escaped from them who live in air. Now, there's a lot of people that they were saved at one time, and then they, a lot of the saved people would crowd around them, and they'd tell them all kinds of filthy stories, dirty things, and then lies about the pastor. And then they were clean escaped from them who live in air. But they were clean at one time. They were clean. And they escaped from them who live in error, if you're really of the Lord. While they promise them liberty, they themselves are the servants of corruption. For of whom a man is overcome, of the same he is brought in bondage. 
So if you were completely saved and uh, you were led back into the captivity of Satan, you're overcome. You're just too much lust. I just couldn't handle the lust and the devil got me back into bondage. That means into his prison house, which is his spirit. Verse 24, if after they have, if after you have escaped the pollutions, the many pollutions of the world through the knowledge of the Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, you got out of the world, the bondage, because of your knowledge of Jesus, and you're then again entangled therein and overcome. Well, the latter end is worse with them than the beginning. Well, why? Because once you were, once you're out in the world and you're overcome by Satan, and then you get saved, and the Spirit of God enters into you, and you're saved. And then after you go back into sin, then uh, the latter end uh, is worse with you than the beginning. Well, why is that? Well, because when before you were saved, you didn't trample the blood of Jesus underfoot in the Word of God. But after you're saved and you know the truth, and then you go and tell people, nah, it's not the truth. I'm going back into sin. I love the wages of sin. I love to be in this world. I don't want to wait around all my life until I go to heaven. How do I know it won't be another 50 years? And look at everything that I'll be losing. Verse 21, for it had been better for them not to have known the way of righteousness, then after they have known it, to turn from the holy commandment delivered unto them. Verse 22, But it is happened unto them according to the true proverb, the dog is returned to his own vomit again. In other words, you're back in sin again, and you can't get out. And the sow that was washed to her wallowing in the mire. Chapter 3. The second epistle, beloved, I now uh, write unto you in both which I uh, stir up your pure minds by way of remembrance. Verse 2, that you may be mindful of the words which were spoken before by the holy prophets and of the commandment of us the apostles of the Lord and Savior. Verse 3, Knowing this first, that there shall come in the last days scoffers, walking after their own lusts. And I remember before I was saved, you know, I was a scoffer too. I made fun and all that. And... Um, 
I really wanted company, people that thought the same way I did, that uh, they were scoffing and laughing and joking about the scriptures. And people that, I, Jesus, oh, Jesus, I just, well, well, a friend of mine, Bob Baker, used to just mock him and pretend like he, he'd stand up on a chair and pretend that like he's a, a preacher. He'd say, oh, be saved, Jesus, uh, come to Jesus. And he'd just be, uh, his hair would just be flying around. And so I was like that, too. And, you know, um, when those kind of guys are not around and you're uh, by yourself, it's all fun. You want more of these kind of guys around you so that you can mock and scoff together. Like it's going to do you some good. Like I thought it was going to do me good. Verse 4. And saying, where is the promise of his coming? For since the fathers fell asleep, all things continue as they were from the beginning of the creation. The end of the world is not coming. Even though all the signs of the coming of the Lord are at hand, all the coming of the signs of the coming of the end of the world are at hand. And you people, the wrath is being poured out in you, just like Jesus promised in the 24th chapter of Matthew and in the book of Revelation. Verse 5, for this they willingly are ignorant of that by the word of God, the uh, heavens were of old and the earth standing out of the water and in the water. Verse 6, whereby the world that then was being overflowed with water perished. Verse 7, but the heavens and the earth, which are now by the same word, are kept in store, reserved unto fire against the day of judgment and perdition of ungodly men. Now, I'm going to change the page again here. Verse 8. But, beloved, be not ignorant of this one thing, that one day is with the Lord as a thousand years. And a lot of people say, well, one day is like a thousand years, so we got lots of days. That isn't what that means. It just means that God has got plenty of time. He's never going to die and you are only going to live 20, 13, 20, 30, 40, 50, at the most 70, 80. And if you got extra strength, maybe 90, 100. But that's like a vapor in, in comparison to how old the Lord. The Lord doesn't have to squash you like a grape today. Um, one day with the Lord, he lives forever and ever and ever and ever and ever. So to him, a thousand years is the same to him. And... Or like a uh, a day would be to you, and a thousand years as one day to him. So that means that he's got plenty of time. He's just sitting there waiting for your little spirit to come out of your little nose and stand before him. Verse nine, and the Lord is not slack concerning his promise, just because he hasn't squashed you like a grape yet doesn't mean that you're not reserved unto this judgment that he's talking about. The Lord is not slack 
concerning his promise of judgment, as some men count slackness, but is long-suffering. To you it's long-suffering, but even though the Lord says that your life is like a vapor, a shadow, grass, it just falls away when the sun comes out. It's long-suffering, you've got plenty of time. And uh, little doopy, you're going to be right up there real soon. It'll seem like a little time to you. And it really is. But the Lord is uh, not in uh, any hurry. You're going to be there. The most you probably live at the very most if you're very healthy and take health foods and run the treadmill every day and push weights and all that. You're still going to go out to see him. So the Lord is not in any hurry. You're going to be there soon enough to him. Long-suffering. He saw long-suffering to us. We're not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. So he's giving you a little time there. Verse 10. But the day of the Lord will come. It will come as a thief in the night. You're not going to know when it's going to happen. Could happen, you know, anytime. In the which, in the which, the heavens shall pass away with a great noise, and the elements shall melt with a fervent heat. The earth also and the works that are therein shall be burned up. Verse 11, seeing then that all these things shall be dissolved, everything in the heaven and the earth, what manner of persons ought ye, ought we, to be in all holy conversation and godliness? Well, some people think that holy conversation is, now, brother, uh, you know, uh, I know you lied and everything, but the Lord will forgive you and all these things. But there's no Bible. Now, you people, you know, I have kind of an acidy tongue. And people say, well, what he's saying is the truth. But it's just the way he says it that makes me not like it. Well, but I'm telling you people, don't preach it the way I do. Uh, preach what I preach, but say it nicer. Uh, you can say it nicer and still be as firm, I think. I just can't, okay? So, you know, say it any way you want, but just make sure you say it. And holy conversation and godliness. Now, holy conversation isn't, uh, oh, brother, you know, uh, you know, you can uh, sin and um, God will forgive you and all this sort of stuff. That isn't right. And godliness in all holy conversation. That's one thing. And then we go, and in all godliness. Godliness means that you're rebuking people, you're reproving people, you're uh, telling them, look, you're saying the wrong thing here. This is what the Bible really says. You can say that nice, can't you? Okay, verse 12. Looking for and hasting unto the coming of the day of God. Wherein the heavens, being on fire, shall be dissolved, and the elements shall melt with fervent heat. Now, the elements will melt with the fervent. That means even the dirt 
will melt. Can you imagine it being so hot that even dirt melts? Verse 13, nevertheless, we, according to the Lord's promise, look for new heavens and a new earth wherein dwelleth righteousness. There's no ungodly government. There's not going to be any a Vatican, no Vatican cult. There won't be any reason for us to be angry anymore because the Lord wants, he said, be angry at the devil, but don't be angry at me, but sin not. Verse 14, wherefore, beloved, seeing that you look for such things, be, oh, I'm like, oh, I'm about it, be diligent that ye may be found of him in peace, uh, and that his wrath won't be upon you. Without spot, remember, without spot, and you must be blameless. You can't be uh, have one blame on you. Without spot, and you must be blameless. And all these things that I've been teaching you here, right from the word of God, verse 15, in account that the uh, long-suffering of our Lord is salvation. Because he could just squash you like a grape, like I would if I was the Lord. But he's long-suffering because he wants you to be saved. He's not looking to destroy you. Even as our beloved brother Paul, also according to the wisdom given unto him, hath written unto you. Verse 16. As also in all his epistles, speaking in them of these things, in which are some things hard for Peter to be understood which they that are unlearned and unstable, they wrestle with Paul's writings. You hear, what do you think it means? Uh, Well, I think this, and I think, no, you're not supposed to think. Because you have to find in the spirit the proper interpretation. Because these unstable people wrestle with these different uh, scriptures of Paul's as they do also the other scriptures unto their own destruction. You don't want to wrestle around with God's scriptures. Just receive them the way they are. God made it easy to understand. Verse 17, Ye therefore, beloved, seeing ye know these things before, beware, lest lest you also being led away with the error of the wicked fall from your own steadfastness. Because I know you're steadfast now. But see, Satan is a great deceiver. And even the very elect will be deceived if possible. He can deceive the very elect if possible, if you let him. So make sure that you don't minimize any of these scriptures. Don't mini 
mice or many anything with the word of God. Lest ye also being led away with the error of the wicked fall from your own steadfastness. Verse 18. But grow in the power of God, in the word of God, in the word of God, where the spirit and the life of God is. And in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, to him be glory both now, right now, right this very minute, give glory to God now, and not only now, but forever, amen, amen, whatever you prefer. Now that was the end of uh, the first and second epistle of Peter, and now this is the Epistle, the first epistle of John. Now, John is the one that wrote uh, the book of John, the Gospel of John. He wrote 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John, and also the book of Revelation. But it wasn't him that did it, it was the Holy Spirit that did it through him. What is God like? How can I witness in the world and not become like the world? Uh, how do I know I am saved? Some people, I've heard them say when they first came to the ministry, I don't even know if I'm saved. I don't even know what saved is. But now they do if they stayed. God led elderly John to write to the churches. He led and showed that John led. He was the head of them and show them the uh, central teachings of uh, Christ as compared to false teachers. They listened to John, pointed to the real human life of uh, Christ, the fact. He was not created as other humans and to his experience. Affectation that we love him as he is love. Well, what does that mean? Well, he is love. That means he kept all the commandments because love is the keeping of God's commandments. Everybody pictures love where everybody's slopping over each other and kissing and touching each other, but that isn't love. Love is the keeping of God's commandments, and his commandments are not a few. There's a lot of them. First John shows the Christian has fellowship with God through Christ. Um, and you confess sin, you obey Christ, and um, relates to other believers. Chapter 1, verses 1, and chapter 2, verses 14. The believer does not love the world. How can you love the world and the Lord? And avoids, the believer avoids antichrists. Any antichrist. Chapter 2, verse 15 and verse 27. The Christian is becoming like Christ, not sinning. He doesn't sin any longer. And... Um, It's overcoming the world, the Christian does, and loving all God's children. 
doesn't say all the people in the world, but you love them that you keep the commandments. That's chapter 2, verse 28, chapter 4, verse 21. And believers are assured of eternal life through Christ's gift and through their obedient love. That's chapter 5. Now, they're assured of eternal life so long as they continue on serving the Lord to the end. Now, First John calls you to obedient love, see, to obey the Lord, to obedient of the keeping of God's commandments for Christ and for other Christians. Thus gaining assurance of eternal life. That's only you have assurance of eternal life if you keep the commandments and you continue on. You don't get discouraged and throw in the towel. Chapter 1, that which was, this is verse 1, that which was from the beginning, which is Christ, a God, which we have heard, which is Christ, which is God, which we have seen with our eyes. We actually saw the Lord Jesus so a lot of people say, you can't look at God and leave. Well, in the New Testament, uh, people did see God in work, actually working in the body, the human body of Jesus Christ and others, Christ being the first, which we have looked upon. We looked upon Jesus and our hands have a handle of the, Word of life. See, it's right there. It tells you that Jesus is the word of God. That uh, the word of life. Because there's no life in any other. That's eternal life in any other but God. But we have handled. How could we have handled the word of life unless that was God? So he's talking about Jesus being God. Verse um, 2, for the life was manifested. In other words, the eternal life was manifested, and we have seen it. We saw this man raise dead people back to life and bear witness and show unto you that eternal life. We're showing you how to receive it, and that's why it's so precious to hear these words. The promise of eternal life, if you keep these words, and show unto you that eternal life, which was with the Father and was manifested unto us, in the flesh of Jesus. Verse 3. That which we have seen and heard declare we unto you that you also may have fellowship with us. And truly our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son Jesus Christ. Verse 4, and these things write we unto you that your joy may be full. What would bring this show? Because we're telling you 
that this is life to hear these words and to learn them and to keep these words that's eternal life you won't never burn it you'll never burn in hell you'll never burn in the lake of fire you'll never be in anguish throughout eternity verse 5 this then is the message which we have heard of him and declare unto you you're special that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. God is, there's no hidden thing with him whatsoever. He's like an open book. Yeah, there's no darkness in him. He's all light. Verse 6, if we say that we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, walk in sin, walk in lasciviousness, then we lie and do not the truth. Verse 7, but if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another. And the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sin, everything. It has to be everything, otherwise there's no way we could enter into the kingdom of heaven. There can't be one blot, one dot of sin on us. We have to be perfect. And don't let anybody tell you that we have to be any other way. It has to be perfect. Perfecto. Verse 8. If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. That's before we're saved, folks. Everyone has sinned and come short of the glory of God. Verse 9. But if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. All, A-L-L, unrighteousness. We, uh, we can get into heaven then because we don't have any more sin. He cleanses us from all unrighteousness, all sin. Verse 10, if we say that we have not sinned, well, God said that we have, we're all sinners and come short of the glory of God before we're saved. If we say that we have never sinned, if we try to make ourselves to be self-righteous, we make him, you're trying to say that God is a liar and his word is not in us. Chapter 2. My little children, these things write I unto you, that you sin not. That you sin not. And if any man sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous. So if any man sin, this is not sins unto death. Because if you sin, uh, sins that are not unto death, which are sins of ignorance, uh, you could go to the uh, Advocate, our Lord and Savior. You can go to the Father, with the Father, Jesus Christ, uh, the righteous. And he, verse 2, is the propitiation for our sins. Of ignorance, of course. And not for ours only, but also... For the sins of the whole world, he'll forgive them 
if you come to him and ask if you repent. Um, and not for ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. But after you've been forgiven of sin and you know what sin is, it's not sins of ignorance anymore, then don't try it. Verse 3, because he knows that you know if you sin willfully, that's when it's really bad. But if you do it ignorantly, don't say that you did it ignorantly twice. Verse 3, and hereby we do know that we know him if we keep his commandments. Verse 4, and why is this? Because he that saith, I know him, and uh, keepeth not his commandments, is a what? Is a liar, and the truth is not in him. So it stands, and it shows right there that you can be uh, saved from uh, sins. You can be forgiven for sins of ignorance. But if you... um, uh, if you say that you know him and keep not his commandments, you're a liar and Christ, the truth, is not in you. All right, and my time is up on this. So we have time for one letter. Okay, go ahead. From Lawrenceville, Georgia. Dear Pastor Tony, hi and God bless you. I'm incarcerated here at the Gwinnett County Detention Center, and I was looking on our book cart we have here for something to read. I came across your Alamo newsletter heading and picked it up, took it back to my room, and started reading it. The spiritual readings in it really touched my heart. I really enjoyed reading it. Tony, I need all the spiritual reading I can read so I can stay on the right track with my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. I made a few bad choices in my life that ended me up in jail. First mistake was I wasn't walking in the Lord's path. If there's anything your ministry can start sending me, your Alamo reading, and any other Christian books to read to help me grow spiritually, I would really appreciate this so very much. Also, may I please get a copy of your book, Messiah, to read. All books or papers are acceptable here at the jail. Thank you. God bless you all. Kevin Brown from Lawrenceville, Georgia. Well, praise the Lord. I consider that an open door. Amen. Amen. To get that to all those men in that uh, jail, we send it. We have uh, such a library in uh, many prisons. Uh, okay, do you have another letter? Yes. Let's hear. Where is it from? From Ghana, Africa. Okay, let's hear what they say. Dear man of God, may the grace and peace of our Lord Jesus be multiplied on you in the first place as the Lord has protected us up to this juncture. Let us all raise our hearts and join hands together to thank the Lord for his banner over us, his love. I wish to thank you so much for the powerful books and sermons which are the word of God. I've been receiving them with a joyful heart and have indeed highly profited by the sermons. May God richly bless you abundantly for such powerful books. May God help you and answer all your prayers. I've been sharing these sermons with friends and pastors at my church, and they have found them a blessing. Once again, may God bless you and your ministry for the good works you're doing to support the ministry of God all over the world. I've read throughout the sermons from page to page, and I hope the Holy Spirit will continue to make the sermons abundant blessings as he has done in the past. In every situation, may we proclaim the gospel to others. Please let us not lose our confidence, but rather let us pray and ask the Holy Spirit to guide us through. Keep faith in God, for he is with you, and he speaks through you to others to build their faith in the Lord. I even wonder at the encouragement your sermons have given me in my Christian life. 
May he grant you according to your heart's desire and fulfill all your purpose. I have an outreach ministry which is going to spread the good news to the rural people around Ghana to rescue the perishing and care for the dying. Therefore, your support will be needed. I have nothing more to say, only to send my warm greetings to you all until I hear back from you. Your brother in Christ, Reverend Patrick Hayford from Agana, Ghana, Africa. All right, and my time is up on this. So now it comes the time to pray. So, you know, do you have sins on your soul? Do you want to take them to the grave with you and then spend eternity in the lake of fire and hell and the lake of fire? No. No, of course you don't. So say this prayer, and the Lord will take all your sins away. Everyone has sinned. Come short of the glory of God. So say this prayer. Say to the Lord, my Lord and my God, have mercy upon my soul, sinner. I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of the living God, and I believe that he died on the cross and shed his precious blood for the forgiveness of all my former filthy sins. And I believe that you, Father God, raised Jesus from the dead by the power of the Holy Spirit. I open the door of my heart, and I invite you into my heart, Lord Jesus, Lord Father God, Holy Spirit. Wash all my former filthy sins away in the precious blood that you shed for me. You will not turn me away, Lord Jesus. You will save my soul. I know because your word says so. Your word says that you'll turn no one away, and that includes me. Therefore, I know that you have heard me, and I know that you have answered me, and I know that I am saved. And I thank you, Lord Jesus, for saving my soul. Now just raise your hands up and praise and thank the Lord and give him all the glory and the thanks. Okay, share and tell everybody in our listening audience how they can receive a copy of this program, number 717. Go to alamoministries.com or write to Tony Alamo Christian Ministries, P.O. Box 6467, Texarkana, Texas 75505, or call area code 479-782-7370. That's 479-782-7370, or fax to area code 479-782-7406. This is Tony Alamo, World Pastor, uh, saying um, tune in again tomorrow for another powerful message of that straight and narrow way as how to enter the kingdom of heaven. These words are very precious and therefore uh, your learning, your instruction for life eternal. Uh, this is myself here with the J.D. Sumner and the Sam's Quartet to sing when the road is called up yonder, you're going to see me there. Praise the Lord. When the trumpet of the Lord shall sound and time shall be no more, and the morning breaks eternal bright and fair, when the saved of earth shall gather over on the other shore, and the road is called up yonder, I'll be there. Well, when the road is called up yonder, when the road is called a beyond when the road is called a beyond when the road is called a beyond I'll be there on that bright and cloudless morning when the dead in Christ shall rise and the glory of his resurrection share when his chosen ones shall gather to their home beyond the skies and the road is called a beyond I'll be there well when the road 
Let us talk of all his wondrous love and care. Then when all of life is over and our work on earth is done, and the roll is called to the under, I'll be there. Well, when the roll is called to the under, when the roll is called to the under, well, when the roll is called to the under, when the roll is called to the under, I'll be there. Well, when the roll. It's called up yonder. Well, when the road is called up yonder. Well, when the road is called up yonder. When the road is called up yonder, I'll be there. Well, when the road is called up yonder. 